Well, the lovely day actually might be tomorrow, but I think this is a good teaser for it. Good morning. Uh, I'm Evan Bray. Extreme cold warning still in place in Saskatoon, central Saskatchewan, Regina, and the south. It's cold. It's not as cold as what uh, Saskatoon's been experiencing. But the good news is throughout the day, basically the whole province starts to warm up. And by tomorrow, which, by the way, is leap year, right? Tomorrow, the 29th of February. Weird to me that the one odd day that we only experience every four years goes from minus 30 today to minus or to plus eight tomorrow. I don't, I'm not really sure how that happens, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll take it. That's for sure. We got a full show for you today. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us. We're going to go at nine o'clock with an hour of open lines. There are so many different topics to talk about. I've been having a lot of conversations about this proposed new arena in downtown Saskatoon. Some people are 100% on board. Others are far from being on board with the new arena. They think maybe it's the wrong priority and the wrong time to be focused on that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Lines will be open. You want to call in and and text in after 9 on that. Happy to have your calls. Of course, emergency shelters in Saskatoon continues to be a big topic, but really the topic can be plunked in any city in the province, and and that is is always something that gets people calling in. The teacher strike online harms act was introduced this week, and that's got people talking about freedom of speech and a possible restriction on that. There's a whole bunch of things to talk about. So open lines coming up at 9 o'clock today. Also today, we've got the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights on the show. They've got a booth this weekend at Saskatchewan Sport and Leisure Show happening in Saskatoon. We're going to chat with one of their executive members about the court challenge that they have going with the federal government on the current firearm ban. And, of course, Wednesday means Saskatchewan's smartest radio listener coming up at 11 o'clock this morning. Time now for The Big Talker. Let's get down to business, shall we? Welcome. Let's begin. The Evan Bray Show. The Big Talker. Well, the inquest into Miles Sanderson's death continues in Saskatoon. It's happening at the Saskatoon Inn. Day three today. Yesterday was was day two, and senior reporter Lara Fominoff has been there right from the start, continues to follow it, and joins us on the line this morning. Lara, thanks for getting up just a bit earlier. I know the inquest doesn't start till 9.30, is that right? That's correct, yep. Well, I appreciate you getting up uh, early enough to uh, spend some time with us before you sit in another day of testimony. Yesterday, boy, there was a lot of compelling testimony, and it started first thing with Sergeant Ken Kane of the Saskatoon Police Service. What did he help you learn? Uh, well, Ken Kane, as you mentioned, the first uh, witness, uh, per- first person to testify, he was asked by the RCMP to investigate whether the RCMP made any omissions or whether uh, RCMP were responsible for the death of Miles Sanderson. So, of course, as you have already mentioned, whenever there's an in-custody death, there needs to be um, an inquest and there's an an independent investigation, and Ken Kane was the one who did that. And he testified to a few different things that I think, you know, up until yesterday, no one definitively knew the cause of death of Miles Sanderson. That, of course, came out yesterday, and we'll get to that. But one of the things he noted, for example, was even though the RCMP used force to get that Chevy Avalanche off the road, the damage to the Chevy Avalanche was minimal, which equates to the fact that you can probably say that it wasn't the accident that caused the injury that resulted in death. 
That's exactly it. There was just some minor uh, damage to the back bumper of the Chevy Avalanche that he was stolen. There was some minor damage as well to the front of the um, the RCMP SUV that took him off the off Highway 11 and into that grassy ditch. Um, and we also saw some video of Miles Anderson because once all the RCMP vehicles um, had surrounded the Chevy Avalanche in that grassy ditch, uh, then one of the officers, I believe it was a constable, Adima or Adama, he had actually turned his dash cam video recorder towards the Chevy Avalanche so we could all see uh, what exactly was happening once they pulled Miles Sanderson out of the avalanche and put him to the ground, began arresting him. And uh, then we heard what Miles Sanderson said to police. We heard the, uh, we saw the actions of police and we saw the exact moments when, when Miles Sanderson began going into medical distress. Now, he was very, um, he was almost mocking police when they got him up off the ground and he was in handcuffs sort of pushed up against uh, one of the SUVs, and he said to police, and, you know, why didn't you shoot me? You, you should have shot me. How come you didn't do that? And one of the officers there said, it shouldn't, you know, it didn't have to come to that, Miles. Um, Miles Sanderson then told police, you know, asked them, how many bodies did I get? And that was something he asked a couple of times in reference to how many people he killed. Um, he also then said, I'm ready to die now. And he, he had a, a couple of expletives in there as well, um, but said, I'm ready to die now. And very shortly after, you see uh, Sanderson um, with his hands behind his back sort of stiffen up. All of a sudden, his head goes back a little bit. And then uh, the officers turn him around, and they're about to put him into the back of an SUV. But before that happens, he sort of starts shaking, and he almost he collapses to the ground. And that's where we heard testimony that blood had started coming out of his nose. He began foaming at the mouth. And then you can hear officers saying, Miles, are you okay? Are you all right? Did you take anything? And they, they thought they heard him say meth, but they weren't quite sure. And this is what uh, Ken Kane was telling us had happened. And then we watched as that actually occurred and we saw for ourselves. Senior reporter Lara Fominoff, who is following the inquest in Saskatoon into the death of Miles Sanderson. You know, I can't imagine what the room full of people on this very emotionally charged topic did, thought, and felt when he said some of the things that he did. And that testimony came out, um, you know, why didn't you shoot me? I'm ready to die. Those statements must have brought out emotion in his family. And then statements like, how many did I get? Uh, I can't imagine what the victims' families were feeling uh, through that. There was a lot of emotion. You could have heard a pin drop when that video was being played. Everyone was sort of leaning forward in their seats. Their eyes were just intent on that video. And afterwards, I, I spoke with, and, and many of us uh, spoke with, uh, Lydia Burns' brother. She was one of the people that uh, Miles Sanderson killed. Her brother, Daryl, said, you know, he wasn't quite sure what to think at, at first, but he knew, you know, he was angry that he had said some of those things. He said he took the easy way out. Um, but he also said, you know, there was a lot of trauma that Miles had gone through in his life. Um, he had ADHD, depression, anxiety, a clinical history of this, uh, this stuff, PTSD. And he said, what I really want to take from this is I can start healing now, and I want to take that healing, and I want to bring it back to my First Nation, and hopefully that will spread throughout the community. And hopefully, you know, in a, in a much bigger picture, we can begin to address the root causes of 
how something like this can happen and addictions, you know, housing, mental health issues, that sort of thing. Lara Fominoff, my guest. I want to make sure we have time to get to a couple of the other things I wanted to touch on. Let's go to the chief pathologist now uh, who ultimately could give us the cause of death. Absolutely. That was uh, Dr. Sean Latham. And he said, essentially, he was the one who performed the autopsy on Miles Sanderson. There was a doctor, Jennifer Belinsky, who uh, was a toxicologist. And what they found was that Miles Sanderson had more than 10 times the amount of cocaine in his system that would normally cause a fatal overdose. And not only that, he had metabolized cocaine from previous use as well. He had one of his um, heart arteries was um, 80 to 90 percent blocked. And that could have uh, that was a secondary cause of his death. Um, so that's that's essentially what what caused it a massive cocaine overdose was a secondary cause of a blocked uh, artery. Which you know I think there was some some leaked information even shortly after his arrest and his death that it was drug related. But you know I I think it's good for everyone in the province. It's it's closure in a sense to understand it. Number one, it wasn't the actions of the police. And number two, it was indeed an overdose. I think a lot of people surprised, perhaps, that it was cocaine. Knowing the lethality of meth and fentanyl, even I would have assumed it would have been one of those two drugs and not cocaine. But uh, nonetheless, a good piece of information to now know and better understand. All right, let's get to the testimony of the two RCMP officers, Laura. That's right. Um, one of the most compelling uh, testimonies that, that I've heard so far, and she was right at the very end of the day, it was Constable Heather Marshall, and she was the woman, uh, the officer, who uh, clipped Miles Sanderson's avalanche and sent him off the road and into the ditch. Now, once she got uh, to testify before the jury and before uh, the public, she, you know, had, she said she was very uncomfortable. And when she was uncomfortable, she started to cry, and she was reaching for you know, Kleenex, saying, you know, I'm sorry, but this is, this is really emotional for me when i was going down that highway when i was chasing him you know i i'm a mother myself i have two small children and my thoughts were am i going to get home am i going to am i going to leave my two children because that chase was so dangerous they also asked you, you know how did you maneuver and get him off the road going at such a high rate of speed and how did you control your vehicle she said you know essentially we're in this diamond formation and and my training um my my gun training my my rcmp training helped me to keep calm you know i knew i couldn't step on the brake really quickly i knew i had to have control of the steering wheel i knew i couldn't slow down really quickly so i just it sort of came automatically even though she was not trained in doing that sort of maneuver but her thoughts you know for her for her for her children and whether she was ever going to see them again, she almost hit uh, at least one vehicle, you know, thinking, oh, my God, please move off the road, get off the road, get off the road, sort of swearing under her breath. And luckily that person moved off the road at the last minute because she couldn't. And uh, so she, you know, said she was grateful and, and happy to be around. Afterwards, a uh, representative from the James Smith Cree Nation who saw how emotional she was said, you know, we're healing as well. You know, you have an invite to us to come and heal with us. Mm, pretty compelling stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm a very strong supporter of the police in our province, uh, no matter where they work, RCMP, municipal police. And this, to me, just instills further the, you know, it's this is a tough job. This is not an easy job. And we saw through the testimony of, of Constable Marshall yesterday and others 
Um, these, this takes its toll on police officers as well. So it, I think that's an important piece of understanding and healing that has to happen through this as well. Laura, you've been doing such a great job on Twitter, by the way, or on X, uh, with your live updates. I, I've been encouraging lots of people to follow you on there because I, I really do think, uh, you are bringing, uh, up to date, up to the minute information as it's unfolding through the inquest. And, and I know you will continue to do that today. We've only got about a minute and a half left here. I want a couple of things. I want to know what's on the agenda for today. But first, what stands out to you after hearing all of the testimony yesterday? Was there one thing uh, that stood out for you? I think what stands out for me is seeing the forgiveness amongst the people um, who are there from the James Smith Cree Nation. Um, and the fact that they're getting some closure, they finally have some answers to some of the questions that many of them have had. But they really, from what I have heard, many people want to move on. They want to have closure and they want to learn something from this. They want to hear recommendations on how to, how to move forward. So something like this never happens again. Laura, what's on the agenda? Full day at the inquest today. Today, we're going to hear from the uh, officers who began the medical aid, the arresting officers, uh, Miles Sanderson, the first officer who began doing the chest compressions, gave him the lock zone, and also an advanced care paramedic who was in the ambulance with Miles Sanderson on the way to RUH. Once again, Laura, thanks so much for joining us, and we will check in again tomorrow morning. Anytime. Thank you, Evan. Senior reporter Lara Fominoff at the inquest in Saskatoon to the death of Miles Sanderson. As you heard, it was uh, testified to yesterday by the chief pathologist that it was an overdose on cocaine that ultimately was the cause of his death. The death, the uh, the level and the amount of cocaine in his body was one of the one of the largest amounts that this pathologist had ever seen um, in a person, and so no doubt that was. Uh, the lethal dose that that caused his death. Uh, but shocking, some of the comments that were made, and no doubt we will continue to hear some testimony that will give us a better picture and understanding. Uh, as Laura mentioned there, a lot of people are very interested too in, in seeing continued recommendations coming from the jury that might prevent something like this from happening in the future. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Text line is already going. Cole from Regina actually brings up a very good point. The question he brings up is Sanderson was driving a Chevy Right, we know that he was driving a Chevy Avalanche. All Chevy tru- uh, Chevy trucks have OnStar, whether they sign up to it or not. Couldn't a call have been made to remotely shut the truck off? I actually have wondered that myself. Obviously, I wasn't involved in the investigation, but that is something that I know Regina Police, for example, have used before. I think the key is you have to make sure officers are in position when that happens. Right, you can't just shut it off without having cops in position i'm assuming this was unfolding very rapidly um whether or not that was an option or something that was even discussed that's a good question cole next time uh that we have assistant commissioner ronda blackmore on i'm going to mark it down to be able to ask that question well coming up it is open lines we are going to take your calls and your texts what do you want to talk about i'm going to propose that we start talking about that new downtown arena in saskatoon i've got some information here i've had some good conversations with people about the pros and cons of it and i'd love to know what you think it's your time open lines coming up just after nine right here on 650 ckom and 980 cjme